0: There's a cab. there's a cab.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Right at the end. Go, go, go. Oh. Oh, Oh, wait, is someone getting in or getting out? Getting in. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, let's go to Broadway. Okay. Oh, my God, I'm freezing.
0: (laughs) What's great is that this tape thing is going to tell me how long we've been looking
1: Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Robert Smith, and that was us that you heard at the top trying to hail a taxi cab here in New York City.
0: Today on the show, the New York City taxi system and why economists
1: hate it. You know, I'm actually going to do the indicator today because it is related to the taxicab industry. The Planet Money indicator today is $1 million. $1 million. That's how much a New York City taxi medallion recently sold for. Actually, two of them sold for a $1 million each. A taxi
0: medallion is this little piece of... Metal, I think, right? Shaped like a shield that you got to have bolted to the hood of your taxi if you want to pick up passengers on the street in Manhattan. Actually,
1: I have one of these. Just a moment. Talk about economics or something. I'll be right back. (laughs) Why do you have a medallion? (laughs) One of the reporters here at uh, NPR New York actually found on the street... A metal medallion, a taxi cab medallion that clearly like fell off a cab. <laughs> see, Check that see, out. Let
0: me see. New York City Taxi Limousine Commission licensed taxi cab. It's got the number on it, and the bottom. It's got like the the top of the statue of Liberty's head. Like you can see her crown there.
1: Now, the important thing about this little piece of metal is that once you attach this to a car in New York City then you have the right to pick up passengers for a fare. And the key thing is, is there's a fixed number of medallions out there. When a medallion changes hands these days, it is for a lot of money. When they were first issued 75 years ago, the city charged about 10 bucks for this thing. (laughs) But the number of medallions hasn't changed very much over the years. So if somebody wants to get a new one, if they want to get into the taxi business, they need to buy an existing medallion. So when we hear about one selling for a million bucks, that doesn't mean that the city of New York gets it. It means that some lucky taxi medallion owner just got rich.
0: And, and okay, to us, you know, it makes some sense that these things would be valuable. I mean, this is Manhattan. It's one of the most densely populated places on Earth. But still, a million dollars for a medallion seems like a lot of money. It turns out some economists are also surprised by this. I talked to Ilan Collette. He's a Canadian economist. He used to work at the Central Bank of Canada. He's now a reporter for Bloomberg. And he told me this story when he was in New York recently taking a cab to LaGuardia Airport. He started talking to the driver who told him how much these medallions cost.
2: I mean, I, I was completely shocked by that because um, I, you know, I, I, never, I never thought that, that a cab medallion would be even close to, to being that expensive.
1: Now after he goes on his trip and he returns back to his office. Being an economist, he wonders, is there any data on just how much these medallions are worth. What happened to the price of medallions over time? I mean, are they a good investment? Uh, how do they compare to gold or, or the stock market?
0: So he finds out that, yes, there is data. New York City publishes it. Uh, every time a medallion changes hands, they note the price, and the price appears online. But it turns out they're in these like separate monthly reports. So it takes a long a whole day. He goes through these monthly reports and hand enters the data into a computer. And he ends up with this amazing chart. The price of medallions just goes up and up and up.
2: You know, the appreciation of New York City cab medallions has outpaced, well, pretty much everything. Gold prices and outpaced inflation. And I think we, we added on there, uh, at one point we had Berkshire Hathaway Class A shares. So really anything that you threw at a New York City cab medallion, the cab medallion won.
1: There are a couple of things that help explain the recent run-up in prices. I mean, the first thing you have to know is that if you get into a taxi cab in New York City, the guy behind the wheel probably doesn't own the cab. He probably doesn't own the medallion. Most medallions are owned by taxi companies, by really investors who are saying, I want to run cabs in New York City. And then they rent out their cabs 24 hours a day, seven days a week to guys, often recent immigrants, who want to drive for a living. So
0: what they're thinking is like, how much money am I going to get? I have to spend a million bucks to get one of these, but then I get a pretty steady income. I know how much a taxi driver is going to bring in
1: every day. Yeah, you can make tens of thousands of dollars a year, pretty much guaranteed income, by owning a taxi medallion and running a cab. So what would cause the price of a medallion to go up? Well, there are a couple things, right? Anything that's going to increase the
0: amount of money a taxi driver can bring in in an evening it's going to make a medallion more valuable right so in 2004 the city raised the taxi fares it raised the amount that taxis charge and that should push up the prices for medallions they also put in credit card machines
1: which arguably would make it you know more appealing people more people would be willing to take cabs be easier yeah and there's also the uh, ben bernanke effect as we call it when people buy medallions you know you can borrow to do it just like you can do any for any other big purchase. And interest rates, thanks to the Fed and Ben Bernanke, have been incredibly low recently. So people think, hey, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for a medallion now because I can borrow cheaply, and that pushes the price up, and then I'm guaranteed an income for years to come.
0: Another thing, also, if you look around right now, there are just not a lot of great investments, right? I mean, stocks are where they were 10 years ago. Bonds pay almost nothing. So someone says to you, yeah, it's a million bucks, but you could beat both of those probably. That sounds like a pretty good bet.
1: But that leaves out what is arguably the most dominant reason a taxi medallion is worth so much money. It's really the only reason why medallions are worth anything (laughs) at all, which is that New York City restricts the number of them. They are rare. Currently, there are 13,237. That's for the entire city of New York, 13,237 taxi medallions. About the same number there were in the 1930s. So why does the
0: city do this? Why limit the number of taxis? To answer that question, you have to go back a pretty long way in time. And to tell this part of the story, we have Graham Hodge. He's a professor at Colgate University. He wrote a history of taxis, and he used to drive one himself right here in New York.
3: New York City, 1971 and 1975.
0: What were the taxis like in 71?
3: Well, they were all Dodges. They were pretty bad.
0: People smoked in cars back then, right?
3: People smoked. and I smoked. Everyone smoked. Oh, the other thing too is I was a very fast, somewhat reckless driver. So as long as they hung on in the back seat, they were going to get where they wanted to go fast.
1: Did anybody wear seatbelts then? No. I just picture his cab pulling up. You open the door and just smoke rolls out and you hear the velvet underground like playing in the background. He's got a big mustache and long hair. He,
0: uh, he said he had a cassette player and he would do his own like, mixed tapes with like, jazz and stuff. See, that was New York. I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> so Graham said he never gave any thought at all while he was driving the taxi to the medallion that was bolted to the hood until later in life when he became an academic. And the story of how medallions came about is it's pretty amazing. It goes back to what else? the Great Depression. Basically, all these people were out of work trying to make money any way they could. And so some people in New York who had never driven a taxi, they just figure, well, I got a car. Maybe I can go out and pick up some fares.
3: If you look at the famous play Waiting for a Lefty by Clifford Odets, all of the drivers who are fallen professionals, doctors, lawyers, professors.
0: They're out driving taxi. They're out
3: driving taxi because there's no work. Uh, and they're competing with unskilled workers who have been driving for taxis for for a longer period, as well as, you know, people coming in from other cities looking for jobs. So there's this large mass of men, almost entirely men, who are competing for an ever elusive number of fares.
0: So if I want to take a taxi, I can stand on a corner and like four
1: cabs will pull over?
3: 10, 15. Wow. And they'd be very glad to have you, too.
1: (laughs) As you can imagine, the existing taxi drivers, the professionals who work for the taxi fleets, were so upset because of this. Their wages were dropping. And in part because of this, they staged these huge protests.
3: They went on strike. Uh, The strikes were quite violent. They were burning cabs on Times Square. They were beating up passengers who were in cabs. There were... Uh, scabbing against the uh, against the strike. Um, you know, there were pitched battles in the streets. It it was pretty dangerous. And it went on during the 19 the 1934 and 1935 for a period of months.
0: So the city government comes up with a solution. Solution is we're going to limit the number of taxicabs. This is known as the Haas Act after Lou Haas who was an alderman at the time. The magic number of taxicabs. 13,595.
1: Graham Hodges says this was not some newfangled idea. The idea that it made sense for government to intervene in the economy this way went way back.
3: The Haas Act is based upon historical precedent dating back to the origins of the city and before that really to the municipal guilds in Europe, that certain occupations deemed in the public interest should be regulated and the number of practitioners limited and this creates, then, a bond of attachment between the workers and the city. The workers know that there will be a limit on the number of people they have to compete against. They'll behave properly, and the city and the public will benefit as a result.
0: So that's the story. But, you know, to a lot of economists today, the idea of the government putting a cap on the number of something like taxis, it seems, uh, it seems old-fashioned.
1: The word you're looking for is crazy. It seems crazy. <laughs>
0: I think they'd say it seems crazy,
1: right? Yeah, the city does not limit the number of doctors, the number of lawyers, or construction workers, or news reporters. If, did, thank if they did, if
0: they did, everyone would be up in arms. They say, no wonder lawyers are so expensive because the city only lets there be three of them, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and the problem is, once you start intervening in the markets, you get sucked into creating a whole bunch of other rules. Like, you want to limit the supply of taxis, fine, but when you limit the supply of something, the price of that thing goes up. So, imagine if there's just like one taxi medallion allowed for the city, right?
1: That driver could say, oh, you want to go to Times Square? Okay, it's fine. It's $500. (laughs) Which is why, in addition to limiting the number of cabs, the city then has to intervene in other ways. For instance, it also sets the fare. And if you've ever been in a New York City taxi cab, it's right there on the window. It's crazy. It's $2.50 to get in the cab. And then it's $0.40 for every fifth of a mile. Plus, no, 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 wait. There's $0.40 for every 60 seconds that the car isn't moving. Or if the car's moving slower than 12 miles an hour, this is all written down.
0: (laughs) Let me just read from one recent assessment of the medallion idea. This is by the chief financial officer and the chief economist for Washington, D.C., who was published in 2010, looking at how well medallion systems had worked. The answer was... Not
1: very well. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a crazy document because it lists in one place all the different reasons why you would not want to limit the number of medallions in a city. So, for instance, I'm going to read from this. There is a broad consensus among economists that such restrictions allow a small group of private citizens, those who are among the first round of recipients of medallions, to earn windfall profits at the expense of consumers and drivers without medallions. Whew. So, in other words, the people who bought those medallions at $10 each here in New York City got incredibly, incredibly rich at the expense of those who did not.
0: Uh, It continues, quote, evidence from other jurisdictions suggests that limiting entry into a taxicab market leads to a decline in overall service. Consumers pay higher fares, wait longer for an available taxi, face more service refusals, and receive less service than they would
1: otherwise. Uh, Apparently not afraid of piling on, because there are more reasons. Uh, This report says that outlying areas tend to suffer, which makes sense. If there's a limited number of taxis, They're all going to cluster in the part of the city right downtown where all the people are. So for economists, this is exactly why you don't interfere with markets when you don't have to. The market does these things better than you can. The invisible hand of the market coordinates supply and demand. In this case, in the New York City taxi market, the hand isn't actually invisible. It belongs to this guy.
2: Uh, my name is Ashwani Chabra. I'm the Deputy Commissioner for Policy and Planning at the Taxi and Limousine Commission.
0: The Taxi and Limousine Commission is the New York City agency that regulates taxis and tracks the medallions. So, Robert, when you and I went down there, I was expecting Ashwani to argue that Hey, even in the modern era, there are good reasons for a medallion system. Maybe, like, by limiting the number of taxis, we get to limit the amount of congestion and pollution or something like that.
1: Yeah, but he didn't go the environmentalist angle. But he did argue that there are some benefits to those of us New Yorkers who ride in the back of taxi cabs. The driver has got something at stake. That million-dollar medallion on the hood of the car, the city can take that medallion away if the taxi driver doesn't behave properly.
2: You get into a cab... You trust that it's appropriately insured. You trust that the the driver is going to get you to where you want to go. Because at the end of the day, and you as the passenger may not be thinking about all this. At the end of the day, there's a million dollars on the line for that medallion owner. They're not going to they're not going to lease it out to a driver who's going to drive recklessly, or they shouldn't. Uh, they're not going to have insufficient insurance on that because that exposes their uh, medallion, um, and so they the owners are going to take precautions that 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 they might not if there weren't such a valuable asset attached to it
0: there is a counter argument to that though the counter argument is just on the other side of the east river <laughs> it's brooklyn <laughs> i mean you know in brooklyn i want to go somewhere i call up a car service they pick me up they don't need a medallion The city doesn't limit the number of car services. And I have to say, it's always been a pretty pleasant experience. Actually, they have nicer cars.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, competition does take care of itself. You know what the good car services are and you know what the bad ones are. And there is still, you know, what keeps them from driving around like a maniac if they don't have a million-dollar medallion. Well, the same thing that keeps the rest of us in line, police officers. We showed Ashwani the chart that The Economist had made. And, Robert, you pointed
0: out that the value of a medallion had increased by 1,000% since 1980.
1: It seems to me that you have a supply demand imbalance. The fact that a price has gone up above a million dollars and it's gone up so quickly, I think in any other business, they would say, wow, we don't have enough supply. We need to make more of them.
2: I don't disagree uh there We currently are pursuing legislation
0: to increase the number of medallions uh, i, I didn 't you're you 're thinking of increasing the number of medallions for like the second time in history here there's there's currently legislation uh pending in Albany
2: to increase the number of medallions by another fifteen hundred medallions so it 's an eleven percent increase
1: and you know there 's a benefit obviously if you can sell a few new medallions into the system remember that million dollar price tag we were talking about that was one taxi cab owner selling it to another taxi cab owner the city did not get the entire million dollars but if they make fresh new medallions then the city gets to pocket the money
0: how many new medallions are you thinking of introducing 1500 so if each of those sells for a million dollars say that's 1.5 billion dollars in revenue you've just earned for the city that's that's the thinking. I mean a bit, is that the main thinking?
2: <laughs> no, no, certainly. I mean there's as you as you pointed out, supply, demand. If there's insufficient supply of taxi service in the city, that's our primary goal.
0: It seems like the rationale for the system, which came out of the crazy moment of the Great Depression, no longer exists, right? But because we sold medallions for $10 to people and the medallions didn't just say you can drive a cab for 10 years, then you get a new one. The medallions said forever, like to infinity, if you were to live forever, you could drive a cab forever. We're sort of stuck with this system, which I think every economist would tell you, all other things being equal, is a, not a great way to run it because you got to keep guessing what the right number of cabs is. But this is a worse system and the original reason for it is, is in the distant past.
2: We have inherited the system. Um, I, you know, th- there are there are often calls for changing it and doing away with the medallion system. I don't know what whether that's. I don't know what the right answer is on this. Um, I do I do think that what we do in periodically reviewing whether there's sufficient supply, is is probably the best we can do in the framework that we've got.
0: But you're basically trying to just mimic the free market in a really artificial sort of clumsy way where you get in a room and be like, what's the demand? I think it's a little higher. Let's try and increase the number. That's probably right.
1: I don't know, David. I I started to feel for Ashwani. Like he's had to live by these rules set up 75 years ago. And for all that time, some guy like him has been sitting in the same chair – Having to hear two different constituencies yelling at him. On one side of him are all the people who own the medallions,
0: who have this incredibly valuable lock on the market and who have this vested interest in there being a
1: limited number of these things out there. Yeah. And on the other side are New Yorkers like us. After we talked with Ashwani, it was 5 o'clock. It was freezing out. It's freezing because you
0: forgot your coat. I forgot
1: my coat. And so we are running through the streets. After talking for an hour about taxi cabs, we're running through the streets in the cold, looking desperately for a taxi cab. They're all off-duty or filled with people. We're trying to wave one down. We're up there, and it feels like— No, no, don't do it. Yeah, it feels like— No. It feels like my hand is invisible.
0: Oh, you're killing me, man. I can't believe you're going out on an Adam Smith joke.
1: Planet money, what are you gonna do? Ouch. This is the worst place in the world to get a cab, I think. Oh, oh, over here, over here.
0: Over here. Come on, come on. Hi, how are you? I cannot go anywhere. You can't go anywhere? I'm in New Jersey. This is a Newark,
1: New Jersey cab. Oh.
3: Newark, New Jersey
1: cab. oh. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's podcast, or you can send us advice on how to better get a cab. We clearly need some advice. You can email us at planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening.